Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Hello, welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Nicole Facho, who is a podcast host and lymphedema patient and advocate. Nicole was born with primary lymphedema, and it was visible at birth, mainly in her left arm. Her specific type of lymphedema is known as Milroy's disease, and it's categorized by significant congenital malformations of the lymphatic system. So she does have swelling in most of her body, including both legs, left arm, abdomen, parts of her back, face, and internal lymphatic masses as well. And for the most part, she has lived a normal life. She went to regular school, graduated with an engineering degree, and moved to New York City to pursue a career in tech. Uh, most recently, she's moved to London, which is where we're speaking from, in the pursuit of her dream job. Nicole has adjusted her whole life around the needs of her lymphedema and decided that the only way she would be able to have a long functional life was not to fight against it, but with it. You're going to absolutely love this uh, episode where you really hear the lived in experience that Nicole has had her entire life. The first question that I started by asking Nicole was what she thought was the biggest misconception about lymphedema. The biggest misconception is not about lymphedema, it's about the lymphatic system. I think it's a very, not only misunderstood, it's not studied well. The studies and the reason, you know, I have my health and my treatment is because of studies and people that have studied it and have done the research but they only since the last century end of the 1800s like since it really correlates to where technology started to develop because it's such a hidden system to the eye that without technology it wasn't really obvious that it was there and the way they started studying it's actually in, in weird ways and there's a whole story around it but the important thing is that still to this day we are in the position in which most people don't even know the lymphatic system when you ask about the, about the lymphatic system they think it's lymph nodes which is true it's part of the lymphatic system but they know people know about it because of cancer because they know that cancer attacked the lymph node therefore there's a lymph node but they people don't understand that there's a whole system around all this and the importance of the lymphatic system in many body functions specifically your immune system which we can get to that later which is correlates to skin 100% to in your digestive system so the lymphatic system intervenes in the digestive system to decompose complex fat therefore when people talk about detox quote unquote actually what people are talking is detoxing the lymphatic system it's cleaning up the lymphatic system so that it's able to kind of like work better and and flow better in very common words and very simple words to explain it but because usually when you have a very heavy like very heavy food or sometimes when people say that it's very heavy drinking 
the system that it's overworking is the lymphatic system. So I think the correct thing is to talk about the lymphatic system misconception, but then that takes us into then the misconceptions about their lymphatic system diseases, which is the lymphedema is one of them. Because there's not only one, there's multiple, but lymphedema is the most common one. And the interesting thing, talking about primary lymphedema misconception, is that it's better known lymphedema through what's known as secondary lymphedema, which is the ones that are caused due to, uh, it's usually a surgery, and most people know about it because um, women that have had a mastectomy because of breast cancer get lymph nodes removed because the cancer attacked the lymph nodes. Therefore, they're at risk of developing swelling in one arm, whichever the lymph nodes were removed. Therefore, they can get lymphedema. So it goes into all this like <laughs> rabbit holes of misconceptions. It's a good word to describe, but it's like not, not really known. And then it gets you to the problem of diagnosis, because if you don't know the lymphatic system, you don't know the diseases, how are you going to know the diagnosis? Some people go through, through life sometimes years and years, like the amount of stories of people being with lymphedema with 20, 30 years without being diagnosed, they just had some swelling. Those people were a bit lucky that they maybe the swelling wasn't like super bad that they were able to manage themselves without the proper treatment and diagnosis. But then something happens that it gets very bad and that's when they start digging in and then they find. But it's after a lot of digging in. <laughs> uh, there's this girl that the way she found out that she had lymphedema after many, many years of doctors was because she Googled a big fat leg or something like that. And that's like it, uh, there was a picture in Google that came out with that. So there is a huge problem with the amount of knowledge, even in the medical community with lymphedema, not only primary lymphedema. And then if I have to talk about misconceptions within the lymphedema community, then, because it definitely gets to that. It's, there's one that it's obvious that it, for me, at least, and it's about the cure because everybody talks about the cure, et cetera. And I don't want to be negative here and I'm not at all. I'm actually the opposite of negative, but I'm realistic. It's the fact that your swelling will disappear. And unfortunately, that's not true. Um, you're, there's no cure for lymphedema. It's a chronic disease. You have it, you have it. And there is a misconception that you could achieve the cure and that it's being cured to some people. It might be that some people have it to a mild degree that they're because they're taking care of themselves, they don't see that much swelling, but um, you know, it's not a curable disease. But the positive of this is a very much manageable and maintainable if you follow proper protocol and you are able to get diagnosed and, <laughs> and you're able to get your treatment at a cost that is not exorbitant because that happens as well. And then there's one more thing that it's interesting with lymphedema and is the categories of primary and secondary, because now that people know a bit more, just a little bit more about it, it's actually been debated if many of the secondary lymphedemas, which is the ones that you acquire because of a surgery, a trauma, maybe a fall sometimes, some of those lymphedemas might have been actually primary lymphedemas because that person was predisposed to a bad lymphatic system. That's why I say it all lies into the lymphatic system because of how little we know about it. Because if you're able to, let's say, with a big technology, 
scan the lymphatic system and see, oh, you have a bit of a blockage in a lymph vessel that might cause you swelling in the future. That thing, it's nobody diagnoses that to that degree because the technology is still very precarious. But there is a, actually a very interesting topic there and discussion happening within the experts that have even gone to discover some areas of how the lymphatic system operates and uh, in the future, hopefully, in the hopes of how can you diagnose it beforehand, even at birth, kind of not understand if somebody would have a predisposition of this or not. You've been in within the lymphedema community for so long, so many misconceptions. I almost feel like there's a podcast episode in itself, all the different misconceptions and debunking of the lymphatic system and lymphedema and lymph dysfunction. Mm -hmm. But so interesting that a system that is so incredibly important to Mm -hmm. keeping us alive We've really only started to learn more about it in the last hundred years or so. And Mm -hmm. even in the last hundred years, it's still not something that is widely spoken about. And even some areas of specialty might even think that things such as manual lymphatic drainage and certain decongestive therapies are a form of quackery, which is just seems so, so incredible. But it's interesting because trending right at, in the last couple of years, it's like this thing of like dry brushing or this thing yes. is like people just say, it's like, oh, because it's like Kim Kardashian is doing it and such. And it's actually a very light touch form of lymphatic drainage of manual lymphatic drainage. Yeah, that's right. And isn't it interesting that even though we like to think that we're not influenced by the influences, uh, Mm -hmm. this is probably a very positive kind of story that, yes, we are impacted by influences and perhaps we're learning more about our lymphatic system because it is this trend and there's this kind of cult following for those that will do forms of massage and using different tools on their face and things to depuff. So it is quite interesting how it has become a trend, but I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> no, actually me, me either, because, you know, those little rolls for the face and such, I have them and I have a dry brush as well. Because, you know, I'll take anything I can get in terms of like tools to help me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's benefits to it. So tell us about your story. So my story starts at birth, which is not common for for lymphedema, to be honest. Uh, It's not uncommon, (laughs) but it's not really the majority of the cases that you see around. My story starts at birth, March of 1988. (laughs) I am from an island in the Caribbean called Puerto Rico. And yeah, I was born there. Neither of my parents have the condition. And when I was born, I had visible signs of lymphedema in my left arm. My left arm was and still is swollen, actually quite identical to when it was swollen. Better now because I get more frequent treatment. But then I think that part of the story, and I've always, and I've said it in the past, it actually doesn't belong to me, it belongs to my parents. Because, you know, a baby with a swollen arm and doctors cannot tell what she has. And it's, and then a little bit after I get started getting swollen on my legs. And then, of course, my mom, you know, any young mom or even not young, any mom would just freak out. And it's like, what to do? My parents were only 26. I'm 32 now. I put myself in that position. I'm like, oh my God, like they were brave and amazing. 
because back then there was no internet or Google or, <laughs> you know, this easy phone situation to get information. My dad had to go to the library to document itself and start to find keywords and such of how, like, how to get me help. And they, they went to a couple of doctors in Puerto Rico. Medicine in Puerto Rico is quite very good, but nobody really 100% knew what I had. The first doctor said that the umbilical cord might have stopped the flow of blood in my arm, and that's why I had it swollen. It was not true. And then I, after a couple of tries, they landed on a doctor that referred them to a Boston Children's Hospital. And we went to Boston and finally, after like nine months, I formally got diagnosed. So it's totally resilience and determination for my parents to really find the help and to collect the money because they were very young professionals that, you know, they gave everything to get me and themselves some answers. And in the Boston Children's Hospital, I got all the tests, the formal tests, like if people know about lymphedema or not, it's lymphocytographies, which is still used today to kind of read the lymphatic system. And then they had some knowledge around the bandaging, which is the state-of-the-art treatment, manual lymph drainage as well. Probably not the best, the best, but they did have those tools. And they also had the pneumatic machine that was like state-of-the-art back then, <laughs> which it was called, I would never forget, the right linear pump. It was the first machine, the guy developed it because, or maybe the second, but one of the first ones, a guy developed it because I think his daughter had lymphedema and something like that. He found that like mimicking what the experts in the other part of the world, Germany and Austria did, then he, he tried to do that with that pump. So basically that place stayed in my, what was going to be my protocol for my life uh, for the next 20 something years we they did my parents did try to kind of keep themselves up to date with newsletter from national lymphatic association and we went to a conference i remember in 93 in san francisco and in san francisco there was a booth of one of the clinics in austria one of the actually most well-known clinics people that study this the know the bother method of monolymph drainage and the Volder Clinic was there and my parents talked to them and then we scheduled and we went to Austria in Christmas of that year, which was, you know, it's one of those crazy things because, you know, four Puerto Ricans in this cold, <laughs> cold Alps, which was beautiful, but, you know, uh, we've never seen snow and it was like snow up to like, up to your chest. It was, but it was wonderful. And that, and there, my mom learned manual lymph drainage. And then with the, that manual lymph drainage, and I was five years old, with that manual lymph drainage and everything else that Boston had done and measured myself with garments, my parents continued that through my whole life. So it was like a combination of the machine with manual lymph drainage, maintaining myself with my garments. And that was the protocol I grew up with and I knew. Part of the story is, did I follow it all the time when I started being a teenager? I became a bit of a rebel towards the lymphedema. And I was like, I don't need that. I don't want to wear this. I don't want people to see me with the garments. Of course, I come from the Caribbean. And I mean, being in Australia, I must feel the same. Like you have a, an episode about, about skin health and tanning. And the biggest misconceptions about tanning, like tanning is a big thing in Puerto Rico. Imagine 
me going to the beach with my garments and not having my legs tanned like no way so I developed like some type of like not it wasn't actually it was a reaction towards what I really needed to do to be responsible because to be honest I was lucky that my lymphedema had been well treated for so long that it was in a good position that I it, it was resilient enough and I was young so my lymphatic system was resilient enough so that it could endure me having my daily life without compression and then at night when you go to bed and rest then I could kind of like quite a cold go back to normal which is a very interesting thing if you're a lymphedema patient is is that thing of like when when you go to sleep and wake up you're like so lean and then five minutes you're up <laughs> you stand up and it's like you start getting so and it's like oh my god <laughs> so yeah it it was a little bit like that and part of the story there as well has an element that I after a long time I had like a couple of back pain and I started hearing about friends that had like scoliosis or such and I'm like maybe I have that because I, I always felt like some back pain and shoulder pain long story short I went to get an x-ray and they find that my left side of my lung was completely white in an x-ray that means that there's no organ so the radiologist was like have you got like your lung removed I'm, I'm like no so emergency back to Boston after 15 no like 15 14 years and basically I had a bunch of lymph fluid I have I live with that but a bunch of lymph fluid accumulated in the lung interesting thing it was probably caused by the pneumatic machine because the now we know and people have to be very careful about those machines because it works for some people and that's great but because my whole lymphatic system is so compromised because of the type of lymphedema I have that probably the fluid got pushed to a place and then it just decided to go wherever it wanted and that was the lung so that was an accumulation of fluid over many many years it I, I never even noticed on my breathing my mom I remember saying comments about like why are you breathing like that are you okay like like very heavy breathing but I'm like yeah I'm fine I used to run just exercise and it was fine so long story short they did a chest tube to analyze the lung and the fluid to make sure that it was no not problematic not not any infections it was pure protein fluid which is lymphatic it was lymph and the lung didn't expand it was collapsed after the chest tube so after a couple of days I think more than a week in in the hospital they said look for us to try to find you a solution probably is causing you more of a problem because my body, for some reason, had adjusted to that. And that was its normal. And I'm still like, I think, how long was that? Almost 14, 15 years later, I'm still the same. And I get checkups and x-rays all the time. And it's still the same level. I just, it has never increased. But it, I also stopped using the machine back then because of that suspicion that it was a machine and it must have had a partake in that because after that, then it hasn't, the, the fluid hasn't increased. So that was when I was 17. But then after that, basically, I just went through life, like having treatments here and there with these protocols. I knew where to go in Austria. I did that a couple of times. And my most recent story was more as I started growing up, 
because I, I was not properly taking care and following the protocol of lymphedema of what I was told, I was having a lot of issues and problems. There is a huge thing which I talked about in, in my podcast around genital lymphedema that I was also suffering. And after many trial and errors, I finally found a doctor that helped me and referred me to another clinic in Germany. And after that, that was in 2016, everything changed because when, because I was in such a bad state, I was so swollen. I was, I had, every day was different. There was no consistent, no consistency. My diet was also being very affected also because of lymphedema has an effect in the way my body decomposed food. And I wasn't, I didn't have any of this knowledge or, or people to help me when I got to that clinic in Germany called the Foley Clinic. They gave me all these sorts of answers and all these sorts of help that I started to feel so well. I spent two months there getting treatment. They placed me on this diet called the MCT diet. Um, and I got surgery and then treatment, intense treatment for two months. I felt so well after those two months that I said, there is no other option than just to start taking care of myself and to adjust my life to whatever it needs to be. I don't care about short skirts anymore. I don't care about the sun anymore. I need to do this for myself and for my longevity and my functional life. And yeah, that's where I started basically adapting and actually putting in place all these things. And that's been now almost five years that I continue with that. And yeah, here I am to tell the story. <laughs> wow. So a lifelong condition that's literally taken you around the world to yes. many medical practices, areas of, I guess, self-development at times as well. I'd really like to hear about some of the treatment options that you're utilizing day to day since mm -hmm. I'm sure you've tried just about everything under the sun for lymphedema. What's working for you now? Obviously, everyone is so different. So everyone's mm -hmm. individual treatment program is going to look different. But yeah, I'd like to for you to walk us through a day to day or a week to week in the life of Nicole. Yeah, so absolutely. I think if we add to the misconceptions is that within the lymphedema community and the lymphedema treatment, once people started tapping into is that this worked for a patient, it was going to work for everyone. And like you just said, lymphedema, it's not at all like that. It has its own personality. People in Instagram and everything literally put names to their legs, to their arms, because they have their own life. And you have to like give them what they want. <laughs> so I have three main limbs with lymphedema. The only one that really doesn't have lymphedema is my right arm. And each of them behave differently. But in general, there are some guidelines that are non-negotiable. First of all, a good diet. I tell it to everyone. When I say good diet, it's not about being eating salads and chicken every day. That's not what it means. It's about a healthy, sustainable diet, low on salt. Of course, everybody knows salt is very, very basic. Salt accumulates fluids. That's to everyone, not only to lymphedema patients. So low on salt. And in my case, I do a special diet called, like I said, MCT diet is called middle chain triglyceride. That's a very complicated way of saying <laughs> that I cannot eat the fat that are complex and what are complex fats are the things like salmon like avocado 
not fried food, of course, like anything that those fats are decomposed by the lymphatic system. Therefore, the theory is that if you free up the lymphatic system from the digestive process, then it has a bit of free time to do its job that in my body, for example, already has a problem doing. <laughs> so it, I'm not saying lymphedema patients all have to follow lymphedema because actually it's not at all. This is basically um, a quite unique case, but it's about finding a diet that is balanced and that you maintain a good weight because weight also influences and affects the lymphatic system. Why? Because the lymphatic system is so delicate that additional weight to the lymphatic system, even in your legs when you're walking or, or in your belly, because there's very important lymphatics in the pelvic area that get affected by when people can be overweight, that will literally cause swelling or can cause lymphedema in itself even if you don't have lymphedema in general. So it's important to maintain that healthy weight. Then the other thing with it is active. It's not about killing yourself every day, doing exercise, not at all, because lymphedema actually needs rest, but it's about staying active. Like walk, try to walk those 10,000 steps a day. Uh, even the walking and like fast walking, the muscles help in fluid, like normal in a normal person, in a lymphedema patient, even more imperative. So those two ones are extremely important. And then one that is extremely relevant here is the skincare. Because of the swelling, the skin gets very affected. The swelling goes up and down. That is, there's no, <laughs> there's no mystery around that. But if you don't take care of the skin, then you can see other problems with the skin, like the cracking of the skin, very dry skin, which can cause then wounds that can get infected. And lymphedema patients shouldn't get any wounds because our incidence of infection is higher because of the condition, uh, because we, in theory, we have an uncompromised immune system. So the skin is a factor that I take care of very well. I take baths, not too warm because the hot water is not good, but just add temperature water with salt and with like, make sure that I moisturize, not only using soaps that moisturize well the skin, but I also wear a bit of oil after I shower so that it maintains moisturized. Also be very sure to dry up like it, between the toes because that accumulation of water can cause fungi, et cetera, that you also don't want. And lymphedema patients sometimes develop some like lumps in the toes and in the feet or in, in between when there's swelling areas. It's very important to dry it well. And then the main, <laughs> the Mr. More Important is compression in all ways, every day. There's no negotiable around it. And I am guilty of not having done that in the past. And I learned the hard way. The compression is the most important because it's what's going to maintain that extremity in a place that doesn't have other consequences. For example, not only accumulation of fluid and buildup that gets hard, also problems in the skin. Because that accumulation literally is like a chicken and egg then starts becoming problems on the skin as well. So I think those are the main factors that I follow. There's other stuff that, of course, I do myself bandaging and treatment myself, minor lymph drainage, definitely. One of the things I learned recently is that you can use a stress ball to activate your lymph nodes. So you put your stress ball in your underarms or even in the areas where the lymph nodes are in within the pelvic area or even between in the leg. 
and just literally with the movement on the leg you can just pump it even that even like when you're watching tv you can do that and then do a little bit of like like dry brushing with your arm goes a long way just to activate that lymphatic system so and the another one controversial one which is the last one i'm going to mention but it's try to maintain not abusive consumption of alcohol because alcohol does have a huge influence in accumulation of fluid we still have to live not saying don't drink at all but don't abuse of alcohol lots of things and over the course of your life it just seems that many of these things have just been as common as you know brushing your teeth daily Mm -hmm. now they are it takes time to get there definitely because you know it's first of all it's it's like the like creating a routine everybody knows it takes like 21 days and people talk about that it takes longer than that Mm. because it's also not dropping it and actually incorporating it in your life in a way that is a way of living yeah a lifestyle impossible though yeah exactly yeah it's not impossible but it does take time and that initial stages especially for a teenager or a young person I can imagine there's often lots of kind of pushback from them because you just want to live your life and go have fun with your friends and don't want to be doing all these serious health things. But with time, you come back to yourself and realize that it's really just doing the best for you. So Nicole, I'd really like to just hear, like you've done lots within the lymphedema community. How has lymphedema affected your career, career path, the things that you've chosen to do? Yeah. So Look, in terms of my career, it's completely disconnected from lymphedema. In some sort of way, it's connected now a little bit. But I am an engineer by profession. Like that's what my major was in university. And when I graduated, I got a job in a consulting firm in tech. So that has nothing to do with health or lymphedema at all. I think it has sparked in many times in my life should I make a career change or path to kind of maybe get a degree not in medicine I think I wouldn't I'm not in a place in which I would commit myself to doing a full doctor degree because it's a lot of years now and now I have like a career in tech but it has definitely I can talk about this in two terms I can say about real has it affected my career it using the negative undertone of that word and maybe it has because it probably delayed some milestones and you know I'm very driven and it might have bothered me in the past that (laughs) that I had to take time off and go to the clinic for a couple of months or or weeks to take care of myself and that probably took me off a project or such that I could have got to whatever level faster yes it has in some sort of way eventually I have got there now, if I'm really honest, I think it have influenced it in a very positive way because of my outlook of life and people and a level of empathy I've developed that, you know, even in any type of industry or job that you're in, you have to have an emotional coefficient and you have to have a people element to you. And I think that has been greatly influenced in a positive way. I do get from time to time the people that will not not understand that because they're more about like professional or career and it's like this is your job and but then you have the it's I think it's a very much 50-50 split in which people that crave that because they're going through something in their life. And that's been very aligning the last couple of years to actually see that it's, it hasn't been a negative way. It has given me a lot of positives 
in terms of lymphedema and kind of matching it to my career, it hasn't occurred yet full on. My attempt to it is the podcast that I have. The podcast is called Normal Adjustment. And it's kind of like my little side project beyond what it is of actually bringing to life what I really know the best, which it's because it's not a podcast about lymphedema at all. Lymphedema is what brings me to it because I'm a product manager. It's kind of like me utilizing myself as a brand, as a product, and kind of how can I grow that and take it further. So that is kind of the the first time that it actually have <laughs> matched in some sort of way and that and this recent as this year I have had the aspiration for a long time of how can I I think a thing that has stopped me in the past is being credible because I can speak about this all the time but I'm not a doctor and some people kind of wanted to hear it from doctors or want to hear it from a medical professional so it in the past, I've wondered if if I need to do like some type of certificate or something in like in the medical field to kind of gain that credibility to kind of take this further. It's interesting you say that because some of our most listened to podcasts and when we do events, it's from those that have actually have lived experience. So yeah. uh, we, we often interview, yes, experts, but Uh, something that we continually get from the community is that they want to hear from someone that's walking in their shoes. And so I think there's real power in that. So tell us about normal adjustments. Uh, As you mentioned, you don't just cover lymphedema, you cover a wide variety of different topics. How did it start? What made you want to start it and start talking about some of these topics that you cover? Well, normal adjustments, The idea of normal adjustments came out last year. Last year, I decided to do like an Instagram takeover because I was going to spend like five to seven weeks in the clinic in Germany again, doing my, which should be a yearly treatment of pure discongestion. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to have the time. It's not like free time because you're literally treatment every day, twice a day with like, and then exercise and then other appointments so it is a full-time job to be there (laughs) but I'm gonna have like some free mind time why don't I utilize that to kind of do a narrative of these five weeks of what it means to have lymphedema what it means to be me really and it was funny because I started kind of like I haven't posted in, in social media in a long time maybe like a couple of months that's a long time in our generation, right? <laughs> For a couple of months. And I started kind of posting a bunch of stories of this was my summer. Like it was so fabulous. We went there here. I went there. I did this trip and whatever. And then everyone's like, oh, it looks like you're having a good time. And I'm like, yeah, but don't be fooled. This is what my life really is. And then I started a narrative of what is lymphedema from the standpoint of what's the lymphatic system, what it means to have a lymphatic disease, and what does the treatment look like. And I started posting stories about this, and I created like a, a, sto- a storyline for five weeks with all different topics from not only the, the treatment and the lymphatic drainage, but how did my legs and my arm get transformed in those five weeks so that people see the benefit garments how do they measure how they work what type of garments do I wear and it was you know it was an attempt because it wasn't stories in theory stories could disappear in 24 and they are and and they're in my Instagram for anybody to consume whenever they want 
but I just wanted to bring that realness around, like tell people really like things can look some way, but this is what people behind closed doors. So don't be fooled. It's not only, but it wasn't about me playing a violin and a pity party on myself. Not at all. It was the opposite. I wanted to show people that even with this, I kind of live a normal life and that how I've adjusted my life into putting those things in place for my condition and to live healthy and because of that is that I can live the normal life so and you know throughout my that in that moment I got super inspired and everybody was receiving it so well I was like I should start a podcast in some sort of way because the more open I was the more I talked about it, more people approach you and they, they want to talk about not only lymphedema, they also talk about their stories. And like, look, I've been through X, Y, Z, and I wish I could talk about it because I know a lot of people struggle. And I've said it all the time. This was this is for the greater good. It was not for me. It, it's easier not to talk about it. It's, you know, it can be embarrassing. It's putting myself out there in, in a way that, you know, it's sometimes I don't like to look at it in because you know it, it does hurt sometimes because of public opinion because of what people might think which is horrible that we think that way but it is so that's where I got inspired but the shape of I didn't want it to create a forum only for lymphedema because the more I talk to people about even other stories the more I could understand that everyone goes through something like something maybe not now maybe later maybe in their childhood and those stories are so inspiring. And when you talk to people and listen, like really listen, it's awesome to hear these stories. And I struggled a while for the title. And I always loved that my best friend, one day after I've been to the clinic, uh, she actually went and, and visited me while I was there for two months. Uh, one day I was like self-deprecating mode. And I said, oh, um, you know, for your abnormal friend or something like that. And she's like, no, Nicole, you're not abnormal. You're normal with adjustments. <laughs> and I love that, the way that she just explained it so seamlessly. And in an iteration of it with another friend, she's like, it shouldn't be about normal with adjustments. It should be about normal adjustments. And I'm like, oh my God, you're brilliant. That's what it is. And it stayed there for a little bit. I put it in my vision board. I do a vision board every year. And I put it in my vision board earlier this year before COVID hit. COVID hadn't hit. And when COVID hit, I'm like sitting one day in a couch with all this time. And I'm like, okay, Amazon ordered the, the microphone and ordered it. And that's how it started. Yeah. So it's a, it's a COVID baby. <laughs> so many good things have come out of COVID, thankfully. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah it is how, a normal like... adjustment. I said, whatever, one more of a perfect way to talk about normal adjustments at the time that things are not normal at all. And we all have to adjust. Yeah, it just encompasses what you talk about so well. And any chronic condition, it's we talk about this a lot. It's not if someone doesn't have a condition, often there can be a sense of ableism or othering to someone with a chronic condition or a visible skin difference. And there's this kind of thought that, well, they're not thriving, they're suffering. And who is someone else to say that they're suffering? You can still live a joyful, really fulfilling life with adjustments. And, and that's exactly. okay, whether they're adjustments for mental health, whether they're adjustments physically. So, yeah, I just love that. And I love what you talk about there. Nicole, talk us through or walk us through your journey of 
acceptance of self-acceptance of acceptance of lymphedema in your body and just embracing all of that so it's a story that has a lot of elements and like layers it's not that i woke up one day like oh look i accepted my lymphedema not at all (laughs) i think it required for it to go bad for me it's like that saying that people say that you don't know what you have until you lose it (laughs) It required for me to for to get bad, for me to understand what I really needed to do in order for it to be well. And when I started to do those things and I it really like sparked that thing in me, which is like I was living my biggest fear before that. I was living my biggest fear, which it was like getting to the end of my functional life. That's I've said that many times and I continue saying it because I could see very clearly me being completely you know, sane and able, but my body not allowing myself to continue. And it was when I found the help and the people that helped me, I said, I don't only have to do this for myself. I also have to do it for the people that have taken the time to help because, you know, people put so much energy and power into also helping other people. And, and I said, and I also have to do it for my community because I have to demonstrate to people that if you follow these things, you can be well. It was so many elements to it. So as I started to making my adjustments, <laughs> I, I really have to stop using that word, but <laughs> now it's become a motto of life. Um, after I started doing all those adjustments, then it was also kind of a way of then, well, how do I go to the supermarket and buy food? How do I, you know, it's a lot of elements to all that. It a lot of determination. But that is where the normal element comes in. And that's why I debate that. And if anybody wants to listen to the first episode of my podcast, it's about debating the concept of normality. And I actually debate that all the time. Like it becomes about challenging what is, what is normal. Because if this person next to me that I think is completely normal doesn't feel normal, and that person next to me, which I think is completely normal, doesn't seem normal. And some people talk to me like I'm normal and I don't feel normal. Then what is it? And it's kind of like started, it's a trip, but it is true. It's, it's then, then whatever I have, that I, um, whatever I have to do to live this life, then I have to do it. And that's it. That, that's what it is. Like, do I have to miss a party? Yes, fine. Do I, can I travel every day? No, maybe not. But then there's other people that have other situations. So it was a lot of enlightening moments and a lot of introspection and retrospection. But with it all, the other layer of it, it's a lot of mental health guides. And it's not like I just, again, woke up and said, like, I'm going to have this way of challenging perception because challenging perception and how you look at things. I've been in therapy for many years. I like it. I don't think I don't think I even I don't call it I therapy. Like I have a counselor that it's and, and I've explored many ways of counseling in order for me to get to a good state of mind and a good mental place. So it cannot stress more the importance of mental health and getting yourself in a good mindset and mind frame and dealing and curing whatever you have to cure in yourself and dealing with those things controlling anxiety and stress because we all experience it now more than ever and with many situations and with all those elements together is that that's my acceptance journey and then then there's one element of like being daring you know like 
And one day I said, you know what? I'm going to wear those tights, which are my compression garments in my legs with a skirt. And I'm just going to walk out the door <laughs> and whatever. And then I'm like, oh, I like how this looks. You know, it's actually cool. And, you know, we live in a, in a space now. I think it's wonderful that there's no, there's like many shades of everything. And yeah, it's challenging. I'm not saying it's not, but it's more acceptable. So there's not like one way of dressing or one pair of shoes. Thankfully, there's so many, so many things that, you know, and, and the globalization, even though probably made COVID worse, but <laughs> it, it it does make other things better. Like you were in, in Australia, I'm in the UK now, and I live in London now. And with all that is that I developed kind of like that acceptance. But yeah, it's not one dimensional. <laughs> It's really interesting just listening to what you were saying. The one word that was sticking out to me was holistic. It's it's a ho- it's really important to be holistic and and I think especially when you know we focus on skin and and lymphatics and everything that affects the skin here at Derm Health Co. But for someone that might be a therapist, they might be a practitioner, or someone that may be living with a condition, their thought is to either re- reduce the symptoms of that condition or cure it if there's a cure. But we often don't talk about the importance of that mental health care. And it's really important that if you are living with a condition and it is affecting your state of mind and and the way that you conduct yourself in the world, it's so okay to go speak to an expert about your head and about your mind and about your spirit because that journey of self-acceptance and really being able to live every day and be in the moment is comes back to that. So I just love that you, you talked about that. And I think it's really important that we have more of those conversations. You also talked about your, your community and you feel that it's really important to be a strong, I guess, character to show that you can do this and you can be well, if you're following certain protocols and you, and you're doing this daily work and you have been appreciated, I guess, in, in the community. And a few years ago, you won the LE and RN's Advocate Award in New York. And the hashtag was yeah. LymphWalk. Tell <laughs> us how this happened and how did that moment feel for you? So that is another one of those like incredible stories of it's just I not I think I haven't talked about it, it's like how eventually things that that need to happen will happen. And this is one of them. Um, I wanted to get involved for a long time. It's like one of those things you just put it off. One day I was not feeling well. Uh, I was already scheduled to go to Germany for my surgery, you know, and, and I was like arranging my life to move out of New York, but I was living in New York. I lived in New York five years and I went to a spin class because, you know, I love spinning and quite active or try to be and I went to the spin class in, an, in a time that I normally don't go. And when I look over, I am staring to like some bleachers or some like some something. And I, I see this girl with a significant bigger leg. And I'm like, that girl has lymphedema. There's no way. Like uh, it's I've never I spoke about this with another lymphedema patient in my podcast about she's like obsessed with legs. And I was too. I, I don't do that that often, but before I was looking at everyone, I'm like, people must have swollen legs as well. It cannot only be me. <laughs> um, so at that point, I was like, and I it, it, it didn't happen because of that, but I was looking there and I was like, I have to talk to her. 
So I waited like 30 more minutes until she disoccupied <laughs> and went up to her and said like, look, do you have lymphedema? Uh, it's the first time I've ever done that. But, you know, it was like, it was there and I needed to do it. And she's like, yeah, how do you know? She was the trooper. She was awesome. She is awesome. Shout out to Jennifer if she ever listens to this. But we start talking very quickly and she's like, wait, are you going to the walk uh, in two weeks? And I'm like, what walk? So lymphedema walk and she's like yeah there's this association called learn and there's a walk and you can create your team and everything I'm gonna dress up I'm gonna wear a tutu and I'm like wait what like how does this exist and I didn't know about this and start talking and she then we exchange numbers and she sent me the information about the walk and this was in 2016 and it was in two weeks from that point or something like that and I go back and I tell one of my friends, uh, one of my best friends, I tell her, look, I found this out. I want to go. Would you go with me? You know, it's I just want to go and see what it is. Because um, I was, you know, I've because I've been in this community and it was so long and so many trial and errors. There's a lot of people that deal with lymphedema very wrong. And I had PTSD around that because I've been in those situations. So I didn't know what's going to be involved and to what extent. So when my friend looked at the link and whatever, she's like, and she's like, Nicole, you have to create a team. You, you have to do it. And it was only like when I decided to do it all and she created the team for me. And then she's like, what do you want to call it? And my family has pizzerias in Puerto Rico. So I'm like, look, whatever. I just saw this quote and it's funny and it's called in pizza we crossed. So put that name, whatever. And I had that year I had dressed up as like a, like my family's pizzeria. So I'm like, I'll just wear that. And everybody wears orange and whatever, that's it. So I told close friends and I created a team. I released for the first time in my life, like really Facebook posts with the information and the link. When they got to the day of the walk, which was only like three, four days later, I had raised like more than five grand, which was like in three, four days. <laughs> which I'm so grateful for. Like everybody was supporting me so amazingly. And even at work, it was the first time I approached this. Like I've worked with these people and now I think back to it a little bit. And I was like, man, I, I wish I had spoken about it more. It, it wasn't because I was hiding it um, at that point. It's that it was so normal for me that I didn't really think I have to brought it up, bring it up. But they even, everybody donated. It was lovely. And uh, I had a couple of people, like 15 people who came with me. And when I got to the walk and I said, yes, my name is Nicole. The, <laughs> the lady looks at me and is like, oh, you're Nicole in Pizza We Cross. We've been getting all this, all this payment amounts and from Puerto Rico. And we're like, how white people are donating from Puerto Rico. This was most of my friends and family. And from that point, like they introduced me to like the, the group that was doing these walks and learn. And it, it was a healthy, like, more than 100 people which was super surprising a little teens and there were these two kids that had lymphedema and had been advocates and children advocates and it just opened this world of like wow this is the community it it, it literally changed me and I kept in touch with with the board members of the association and they were like I we want you to like do more advocacy for us and like let's just keep in touch and they nominated me for an award in New York state congress in later that month uh, later that year no earlier the next year in 2017 and i got an advocate award in in new york state 
linked to kind of like raising awareness and declaring March 6th National Lymphedema Day. And that was amazing. Um, my parents came and that was awesome. And then later I did a couple of things with them. And then later that year, they also said, look, Nicole, we're going to honor you for uh, being the spokesperson for this walk this year, which was a year later from the one that I had participated first. And we're going to give you the Advocate Award. That was amazing. Like I was so grateful because those moments were the ones that really empowered me to kind of put in my story out there. Kind of gave me the, it gave me the outlet to do it organically. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like I was doing the wrong thing or in the wrong tone or in the wrong way because I always feared of that. It's, I don't like people that give me a pity party or that are like, oh, I'm sorry, what are you going through? I don't like that. I, I want to portray a different message. And yeah, I, I gave the speech then. And it was funny because that was literally a year after my surgery. My surgery had been a couple of months after the last walk in the 2016. And this was like a year later, having made those adjustments and having done all that in like for my health and having had a year of all that and kind of literally being able to speak about it very factually like if you do this you can be well and advocating for it for because in in the states there's a huge well it's not only in the u.s because also in the uk but healthcare is extremely expensive and lymphedema patients the 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 support from um, insurances it's very bad and even there's states that there's no help at all so how can you raise awareness to help people uh, get their treatments because that's the only way you can get healthy what a fantastic story and it's just um it's just so amazing like after all these years of living with lymphedema your whole life it was like this walk with, you know, a hundred or, or more people that you're like, oh my goodness, here's a community that you probably didn't, we weren't aware that was there. So close, you. so close yeah. to me. Yeah. 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 That's just so awesome. Nicole, are you able to share just a, a few pieces of advice for someone that is living with primary lymphedema? Yeah, I think I don't like to only say primary lymphedema in general, sure, because it, it is, it really impacts, lymphedema impacts, even if it's primary or secondary, impacts you the same way. It's it's quite invasive. And again, like I said at the beginning, there's no cure. So you just have to, to deal with it <laughs> and, and deal with, with its moodiness because it is moody. But I think it's easy to say now, but I really want to iterate it is don't be ashamed of it. Because I lived in shame for a long time and I was hiding it with a, long, a lot of long pants and a lot of long sleeves and baggy uh, clothes because of my abdomen was like I looked like a weird cartoon character or something like I said even though I'm slim I still like didn't feel adequate I felt weird and and don't don't be ashamed of it you I think that rather use that energy to take care of it so that would be my first piece of advice because that that really liberated me when I was like honest and accepted it and then, of course, I said it before, and I will say it now, and I can post it over the walls, and I don't know where, but compression is your best friend. Don't leave it to the side. Compression, 100%, in all ways, every day, learn how to self-bandage and wear those compression garments religiously. Wash them, take care of them. They last. 
by the way, they last for a long time. They say compression lasts for only six months. The good compression does, but then you can keep them and then wear them for a long time. So don't think you have to throw them out. And the other thing, I said a lot of stuff about how to take care of yourself, but I think it's more important to be kind to yourself because like I said before, everybody deals with something. Ours is just happen to be annoying swelling, but there is a way to live life healthily. So really take care of it. Wonderful advice. Thank you, Nicole. Where can people find more about the work you do in terms of your advocacy and your podcast? Yeah, so my advocacy mostly is in Instagram. I kind of kept my Instagram mostly lymphedema related. My Instagram handle is Facilita, that's F-A-C-C-I-O-L-I-T-A. That's my last name in in a little sense because my first language is Spanish. (laughs) And then my podcast is in all streaming platforms. It's called Normal Adjustments. Like I said before, there's only one season at the moment that I closed like a month or two ago. And the next season, then season two will come uh, early next year. Talk about a little bit of everything, lymphedema included, but I also talk about topics like mental health, anxiety, diabetes. And my idea is to showcase any story, any, even entrepreneurship. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, all of those links will be in the show notes for anyone that would like to go follow along with Nicole's journey. But thank you so much for joining us on today's show. It was just really great to hear your story and your time is really appreciated. Thank you guys for the invite. I'm very, very grateful. And this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nicole as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. Nicole shared lots of gold nuggets from her life um, about being proactive and about being organized so that she can live life to her fullest. Lymphedema certainly has been uh, something that she's had to allocate time for, allocate resources and education to. Uh, She's done a lot of advocacy work as well. However, it really hasn't set her back from going after her dream job, going after career things, uh, doing, you know, really physically adventurous type uh, things as well, which uh, I loved hearing about. So thank you again for listening. Until next time, be skin powered.